Well, as Lori mentioned, my name is Michael. I serve as uh, one of the pastors here and just wanted to say thanks for coming and being here today. And just in case no one has said it to you yet, uh, Merry Christmas. I know it's not Christmas yet, but here's your service announcement. You have 16 days uh, to continue to get yourself ready and those around you ready for Christmas. We kicked off our Christmas uh, series uh, last week, and the series that we're doing as we walk towards Christmas together is just a series simply entitled Longing. And the question that I asked everyone to think through and think about last week was this question, what is it you're longing for? We all have longing, so what is it that you are longing for? Now, if you would have asked me that question one year ago, this is exactly how I would have answered the question. If you said, Michael, what is it you're longing for? If I was being brutally honest with you, I would say this, I don't want to be sad anymore. I'm longing not to be sad anymore. Now, over the years, I've been very open uh, just in sharing uh, my struggle for the better part of two decades uh, with depression. Uh, thus, what I longed for more than anything a year ago was to be completely free from the dark cloud that I thought I had been living under for the better part of two decades. Now, if you were to ask me the, a follow-up question of, well, Michael, where or who are you looking to to find joy? If you are longing to be free from sadness, well, where or who are you looking to to be free towards to finding joy? And again, if I was being honest with you, I would have answered the question by just saying, well, I'm looking to Kyla. If you haven't met Kyla, Kyla is my wife. We've been married almost 21 years now. Now, I knew both in my head and my heart that Kyla could not possibly take my sadness away, but yet I still look to her, thinking that maybe through affirmation or her approval or her affection, I thought if I received those things in the ways that I wanted to, that I would somehow find the joy that I was missing and be free from the sadness that I felt. Now, you can imagine the strain that that would put on any relationship, nonetheless a marriage, if one person is looking to their spouse to completely do for them what only God can do. You can imagine what a stress that would be for her and a strain that would put on the relationship. And even though I knew in my head and knew in my heart that she couldn't possibly meet or fulfill that longing that I had, I still looked to her, and yet sadness still remained. Now, if you were to be tracking with me so far and say, well, Michael, let me ask you this question. If you knew in your head and your heart that Kyla could not possibly, there is no way that she could ever take that sadness that you felt away, then why did you keep looking to her? If you knew that to be true in head and heart, why... For two decades, did you continue to look to her to do that? This is the question that I want to answer today. And it's not just for me, it's a question for all of us. And this is it. This is the question. Why do we look to have our longings fulfilled? No matter what they might be, why do we look to have our longings fulfilled in things that will never truly fulfill our longings? Why do we do that? I mentioned last week that the longing that we all have, it's a gift from God. It is a God-given longing that we have, and the longing is for God. So why do we look to fulfill that longing in created things 
rather than just looking directly to the Creator Himself. If we know through experience that there is really nothing on this earth that could truly satisfy or fulfill the longings that we all have, why are we all so prone to look to that which can never, ever fulfill or satisfy the God-given longing that we all have? Now, in order to answer this question, I want to look back to what I'll just simply call a turning point in the nation of Israel's story. The story that we're going to look at is really a story that forever changed a nation, and it's a story that forever changed a, a people. Now, as a way of background, for nearly 900 years, Israel had only known one king. God was their king. God was their king who led them, who protected them, who provided for them. There was no king like Israel's king. There was no God like God. He was perfect and pure and powerful. But this one request that they are about to make would forever reshape them as a people, as a nation. Uh, their story is told in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 8. We'll put the verses on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can flip there. But this is a story of one request that forever reshaped, reformed a people. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, uh, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money, they accepted bribes, and they perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old, and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge or to lead us like all the other nations have. Now, as we're going to walk through this very sad, tragic story in Israel's history, I want to share with you two things that I'm learning very fresh just over these past few weeks as to why we, myself, why all of us look to have our longings fulfilled in things that ultimately cannot, will not fulfill those longings we have. So the first one I learned from part one of this story is simply this, we forget God. We forget God. We forget, we forget who He is. We forget what He is like. Now, what I've noticed just in my story, as well as in the story we're looking at today, is that the problems that we often have lead to amnesia. The problems that we have in our life, whether they're mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, physical, the problems that we have often lead to amnesia. What I mean by that, it's amazing to me that when problems arise, the first thing to go is my memory of who God is. When problems surface in my life, how quickly the first thing to go is my memory of who God is, what God is like, and all that God has done, and how He has been faithful and provided in times past. Now, I don't know if you can relate with that when problems arise in your life, but the first reason why we look to other things to fulfill in ways that they could never possibly fulfill is because we simply forget God. Now, we know that Samuel, he was a godly man. He was a godly leader. He was a, a godly judge. He was not their king, but God placed, him, placed Samuel in a position just to help the people see. This is who God is, and this is what God is like to help them understand their king. 
But now the problem that the people were facing is Samuel's sons were nothing at all like their dad. We learn in the story that they were greedy and self-serving, immoral, and corrupt. So the problem was simply this. Well, who's going to lead us moving forward? Samuel, Samuel, we've looked to you to help us understand our king. But your sons, well, they're a mess. They're wicked and they're evil. So the question they're wrestling with, who's going to lead us moving forward? And what's sad is how quickly they forgot how God had been leading them, providing for them, and protecting them along the way. And when we forget God, like the nation of Israel did, we will begin looking to anyone or anything to fulfill that longing that we have. And the question that we're asking, well, what was the people in this story specifically, what were they actually longing for? And what they were longing for more than anything is they just wanted to be like the people around them. They wanted to blend in and look like the nations around them. And in order for that longing to be met, well, they needed a king because every nation that they looked around and wanted to be like, they had a king. So rather than just turning to God and declaring, God, we want you to know you are still our king. We don't know what this is going to look like moving forward because Samuel's sons cannot possibly do what Samuel had done. So rather than just simply declaring, God, you're still our king, we trust that you will provide, they made a very different declaration. God, give us a king to judge us or to lead us like all the other nations have. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever maybe thought about this or realized this, but the requests that we make reveal the longings that we have. The requests that you and I have that we're making towards God ultimately reveal the longings that we have. And as I've been sitting with this story, what keeps coming to, mind, to my mind is this one question. Do I long for an escape from my problems or do I long for God? Is what I long for more than anything is just an escape from the problems that I have, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, or is what I'm longing for more than anything is just God? Because there's a big difference between the two. What the nation of Israel was, was, wasn't looking, um, wasn't longing for God. They were longing to be like the people around them. And in order to get that, they needed a king just like everyone else. And so I would just call what they did in this moment longing misplaced. Longing misplaced. When I was in the midst of just a, a very long battle uh, with depression, my longing was misplaced because I simply forgot God, who He is and what He is like. So rather than longing for God, my longing quickly turned into, I just want a way out. I'm just tired of feeling sad all the time and having to act, act happy on the outside. And so what I was longing for was an escape, a way out. I wasn't actually longing for God in the midst of that. And if our longing is for anything other than God, we'll turn towards earthly kings to find something that only God can ultimately give. So the question I'd ask all of us to, to wrestle with is when you are in the midst of maybe it's a physical pain, an emotional problem, or relational problem, a, a situational problem, is what you long for more than anything God alone or a way out of whatever the problem might be. Because if you long for the latter, just a way out, you're going to begin traveling down that road of a longing misplaced, and you'll begin looking for an earthly king to give you what only God can ultimately give you. 
Now, our earthly kings are going to look very different from person to person. My earthly king for a really long time was Kyla. I was looking to her to do something for me that only God ultimately could. Now, your earthly king might be your spouse like it was for me. For some, your earthly king might just be your work, your career, your title, a role. That if I could just, I'm looking to this to give me something that I just believe if I have that, the longings that I have will be fulfilled. Or for some, you just might be looking to a current relationship. Again, spouse, fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, a current relationship or maybe a hoped for relationship. If I could just be in this relationship, I know the longing that I have will be fully fulfilled or satisfied. Or maybe it's the material things, a possession that you really want. If I could just get my hands on this or around this, the nation of Israel, they forgot God. And so the request for an earthly king revealed what they longed for more than anything was just to fit in, to be like everyone else around them. And sadly, they missed completely the king they already had. Now, again, the question, are the problems you're facing, whether big or small, are they causing you today just to forget God, to forget who he is, to forget what he is like? Because that which we forget, we can no longer long for. They had forgotten God, and they began to long for lesser things, and then consequently look to other things to do for them what they already had completely in God. Now, forgetting God is reason number one as to why we look to other things to fulfill or satisfy in ways that we just know won't work. But the second way that Second reason as to why we look to other things to fulfill or satisfy is this. We do what we want most. At the end of the day, we are a people that are going to do whatever it is we want most rather than being a people that pursue what we need most. Misplaced, longing misplaced leads us to do whatever it is we want to do most. And as I've been Reading through this story, the thing that is just absolutely amazing to me is this truth. God often gives us what we want to help us see what we need. For a long time, a lot of years, I had heard the message, God never gives us what we want. He only will give you what you need. But as I've been thinking and praying through and journaling out a lot of stuff on this story, I see in this story an example of, no, there are times that God often gives us exactly what we want to help us see what it is we need. The story goes on in 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting at verse 6. Um, Samuel was displeased with the request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, for the Lord replied, for it is me that they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. And ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. So do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. As I've been thinking about this part of the story, uh, the request for a new king, an earthly king, God instructs them to do something that was honestly somewhat shocking to me. He instructs them, give them what they want. And so I wonder, is this gracious of God or is this cruel of God? 
Is this a gracious thing that God is doing, or is this ultimately a cruel thing? Because it would be easy to declare what God is being, that he's being cruel because he's allowing them to experience the pain that is going to come from longing misplaced. But his grace is clearly seen in this story in two specific ways. Number one would be 146,000 days. His grace is seen in 146,000 days. Now, maybe you've heard that phrase that God is the God of second chances or third chances or fourth chances or fifth chances, but in this story, we're reminded for 146,000 days, which is roughly 400 years, the nation of Israel continually abandoned God to pursue their idols. From the moment that they went from the Exodus story into the promised land for the 400 years after that, they complained and they bickered and they chose and abandoned God and pursued other idols. But yet for 146,000 days, their king was just gracious and compassionate and forgiving and forbearing. But I don't want us to misunderstand God's grace because it's not just a one-sided coin. The other side of grace is doing whatever it takes to get us to see that what we're truly longing for is not in created things but in the Creator alone. See, God's grace is seen in second chances, 146,000 of them, but His grace is also seen in what He tells Samuel to do. Because it's really clear in the story, He says, Samuel, I want you to warn them. Samuel, give them a solemn warning of the decision that they are about to make and the, the trajectory of where they're headed. Warn them of what this, how this will turn out for them. Warn them that the path that they're about to go down will not work out well. And so as you read the rest of 1 Samuel chapter 8, this is Samuel's warning to the nation of Israel. He wants them to know this king that you're asking for, he is going to draft all of your sons into war. He will force many in this community to be his slaves, his servants. He will take your daughters and he will take your daughters in order specifically to serve him in his palace. He will take the best of all of your crops and keep them for himself. He will take advantage of you, demanding more from you than you can ever possibly afford to give. So in, in short, what Samuel is telling the people, guys, this is a really, really bad decision. Like what you're asking for, it's not going to work out for you. What you think, what you're longing for, it's not going to be accomplished in asking for an earthly king because the earthly king will leave you wanting and more empty than you're feeling right now. And then Samuel takes this even one step further, and he just tells the people exactly what's going to happen when they get their king. It says in verse 18, when that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding but then the Lord will not help you. My question is, if you receive not only this warning, but have this picture painted of what this decision would ultimately lead to, would you still ask for a new king? Knowing full well that it's not going to work out for you. Knowing full well that it's not going to fulfill or satisfy you. Would you still ask for an earthly king? Now, I'm not sure how you would respond, but if I'm being honest, because uh, I have 20 years of story to reveal what my answer would be, I still would ask for that earthly king. 
The story goes on in verse 19, and we hear the people's response. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. I want you to catch this phrase, even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, do as they say and give them a king. And then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. As I look back through my story, and I don't mean just the parts of my story dealing with depression, but I see how time and time again, I did the exact same thing. I was the guy that just, what I wanted is what I wanted, and what I wanted is what I pursued. And I said the exact same thing that these people said, even so. Even so, I know it's not going to work out. Even though I know looking to my spouse to fulfill or satisfy, even though I know it's not going to work, I still continued to go in that direction. Because at the heart of longing misplaced is turning to someone or something other than God, knowing full well that it will never satisfy that God-given longing that we all have. And so I just ask us to consider maybe a soul-searching question. Where do you find yourself saying even so right now? You might not be saying those exact same words, I realize, but where are you looking to in your life and saying, even so, I know it's not going to work out, looking to this guy, looking to this girl, looking to this situation, circumstance, role, title, bank account, even so, I know it's not going to work out, I'm still headed in that direction. Where are you looking to maybe created things to do for you what only the Creator can? See, this is where I'm very thankful that God can use our even so, give us what we want, in order to bring us to a point where we all might just declare, what I need more than anything is God. God will often give us what we want in order to get us to a place where we would declare, but what I need more than anything is God. No earthly king, no earthly situation, circumstance. It might feel like that's what I want, but God will give us what we want to get us to that posture of what I need more than anything is God. As you follow the journey of Israel over the next thousand years after their decision to reject God as their king, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, I think you'd realize very quickly it didn't go well for them. And I just want you to know longing misplaced never does. Longing misplaced never works out for us. It never goes well for us. It never brings or fulfills or satisfies in the ways that we want. So turning towards the created, whatever that might be, to satisfy that God-given longing, it will never work out. But to me, this is just the beauty of what we celebrate at Christmas. And this is why we must talk about longing at Christmas time, because the king we long for has arrived the king that we all long for has arrived. Jesus, the king of kings, has come. And what I love about Jesus is he came searching for you. He came to seek all of us out. The king that we long for, not an earthly king that can't satisfy or fulfill, but the only king that can satisfy and fulfill, he has arrived. So just the question that we can end with is this. Will you look to King Jesus alone? Will you make the decision or declaration today 
to say, I'm repenting and rejecting of these earthly kings. Whether it's another person or another situation or circumstance. Because I just know through experience a lot of it, and I think we all know instinctively and through experience, earthly kings, they cannot fulfill the longing that is from God for God. Only Jesus can. So rather than living another day saying, even so, might you begin today a new way by saying, Jesus, you alone are my king.